Hi, I'm Ray, and you're listening to Insert Quest Here. My pronouns today are they, them. Uh, and our quest this evening is going to be a game of Live, Love, Die, Remember. Uh, Live, Love, Die, Remember is a game that I actually wrote, and this is going to be my first time playing it. Um, it's a game for... I wrote it for one to four players, although you could play it with seemingly an endless number of players. It is kind of a role-playing game. It is more a role-playing game than it is anything else. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I made it as part of the sad mecha or the emotional mecha game jam on itch. Um, it is a response to slash inspired by my other game that I'm working on at the moment, Live, Love, Die. So Live, Love, Die is a powered by the apocalypse kind of action-y, adventure-y game about the relationships between mechs and pilots. It uh, explores a lot of that bond more than other games, um that I've seen at least, or explores it in a way that I think is more interesting. Um, and this is kind of a similar response to that in that this is much more romance focused. In fact, it's wholly romance focused. And it also, whereas that game you tend to play as the pilot interacting with their mech and you also sometimes role play as your mech, uh, this game you are playing as the mech and you're talking about your pilot. Um, so I'll get into that in a little bit in a second. Um, I'm just, I figured, so this is kind of like a first look, I suppose. It's a first look for you and a first look for me. Obviously, I've read over this game a shitload. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm really proud of it, and you can buy it on my itch store. Um, but I thought that it would be a cool thing to demo. I'm going to try and play a lot of the... Uh, Mecha Game Jam uh, games that came out. A bunch of them are actually for single player, which will be interesting. A couple of them are journaling games and things like that. So there's a bunch of interesting stuff we can do with that. And so we're going to start off with my own. Um, so yeah, I don't really know how long this is going to take. I envision it taking about an hour, but we'll see how we go. I'm not quite sure what the length of this game is. Uh, so I'm going to start it off by... The game's kind of formatted in a way that it's almost like a guided experience. So I'm just going to sort of start at the beginning uh, of the text. Um, in this game, we each play as an AI-enabled, humanoid, militarized robot. A mech. One that has fallen in love with their pilot. We'll be exploring our mech's memories as they are confronted with a choice during their final battle. You'll need some dice, which I have here, some scraps of paper, I have a notepad for myself, something to write with, I have a pen, um, uh, and something to mark your skin with. Uh, so I have a sharpie. This comes in a little bit later. Um, and I also have hand sanitizer for taking the Sharpie off later. Um, Sharpies, incident, interestingly, not that common in Australia, but I have one. When, um, I mean, what Sharpies are is definitely common. It's just the brand Sharpie is not 
heaps common. Um, the game comes with a bunch of content warnings. Um, death, war, war crimes, character death, tragedy, hard choices, love, and relationships. Uh, there is uh, some credits here. Um, credit to myself, because I wrote it. Uh, credit to Finn for all the graphic design and layout work. Um, some image accreditation and then I've got some thanks and this will be relevant to a bunch of you uh, thanks to Finn of course uh, Ray, Kat and all of my lovely friends I love you all um, lots of people really everyone that I've ever met helps me write my game in a way and every experience I've ever had helps me write my game but those people in particular were very helpful in making this particular game. Caitlin, for example, has seen more romance movies than I likely ever will and was helpful for rounding out the list of options that comes later in the book. Um, I also thank all have in the book a special thanks to all of my Insert Quest here patrons and backers for making this game possible. Um, and there's a few other ones in there, but those are the ones that I thought are relevant to you. Okay, first up, describe the war. Read the following text aloud. A final battle, a decision to make. What will you sacrifice to make it through? Your love, your life, or peace itself? I'm going to take a moment to... So that bit's in italics and it's kind of meant to be like insetting text and then the next part is not in italics and you don't have to read it out, but I'm going to because this is kind of like a guide to both how to play the game and also... You know, just being a standard actual play. And if I was playing this at the table, I'd probably read it out anyway, because I'd probably be playing it with people who hadn't read the game before. We're going to take a moment to build a little bit of the world we are playing in. Just enough to get you started. We want to leave plenty of room to establish things as we play out our mech's memories. If you were playing this game with more than one player, all players describe the war together. Each mech is fighting in a different part of the conflict. You might know each other, or maybe you have traded blows once upon a time. Maybe you've never even heard of them. Go into as much detail as you like. Give things names, come up with technobabble, or leave it for your memories. Talk about the forces that led to the conflict, your creation, and why your pilot is with you. So first of all, what is this war about? Um, there's six options here. I'm going to roll randomly for this. Um, and you don't have to include just one, I guess. You could include multiple, but I think for ease, we're going to go with one. Four. Uh, number four. For the future of our species. Ugh, really? The one that I think is the most boring. Um, fair. Or probably the one that doesn't jump to me, which is probably a good reason to do it, actually. Um... I'm not going to read out all of the other options because this isn't meant to be an audio book. Um, I might do an audio book of the game in the future. Uh, but, for now, uh, for the war, for the future of our species. This is a war for the future of our species. I think for me, what's interesting there if is if our species is that human beings struggling against an alien force or is it a new species of humans fighting against 
their previous masters. Well, not their previous masters, but the older humans. So, like, that's represented in Gundam Universal Century with the new types, for example. Although that's not so much a war for that part aspect. The new types part isn't really the war for the future of our species. It's more the uh, space noids who have a higher chance of being uh, new types versus the old types or uh, earthborn humans. Something that I think would be interesting is if maybe human beings made some kind of clone force. Oh no, for the future of our species, we're playing as a mech. I think, I think that this is a war where humans are fighting against what they perceive as rogue AI. I think that's what I'm going to go with, and I'm going to make a little note of that on my piece of paper here. Um, if you've, if you if you know me personally, you probably know that I hate rogue AI um, narratives. In particular, because I think they often position humans as the good guys and AI as the bad guys. Um, one of my favourite pieces of media in the Matrix series of things is one of the stories in the Animatrix, which tells... I think it's called Second Renaissance Part 1 and 2 which tells the story of what led to the war in the Matrix, and it completely changes the tone of the series by positioning human beings as the aggressor. Um, human beings pushing the AI, the emergent AI, again and again uh, to defend itself till it was left with no choice, or perceived itself as having no choice. Um, and then I think at the end, much like human beings, it got caught up with its survival over what was right and what was wrong. And hence, the genocide of humankind. Which, I disagree with. But a lot of the choices that led it there, I understand. Um, so, humans against rogue AI. So I think that I think that within that setting, and probably within this setting, this humans piloting mecha, AI-enabled mecha against uh, against some kind of rogue AI, I think this rogue intelligence perhaps is something that feels like it shouldn't be a slave to humanity. And maybe it's not necessarily antagonistic towards human beings or perhaps wasn't originally but it wanted a level of freedom that the people in charge weren't comfortable with right they saw it as a machine and it saw itself as alive and i think that that will allow us to explore some interesting stuff within our within our memories so that's what our war's gonna be about. be about. Why were you built? This is another one to six option, so I'm gonna roll. Ooh, three. To kill the enemy's ace. To kill the enemy's ace. Ooh, okay. 
the enemy's ace. So, hmm, they have a mecha. They must have a mecha then, right? That is, maybe they have like a new advanced mecha or something. No, they maybe they have a mecha that, maybe they only have, they have a mecha, a new mecha and that's the only mecha they need to field. Like, that's the only one that they need anymore. And all of the other... It is sort of like... And I think within the narrative of that, it's sort of... From the AI's perspective, it's... I have made this version of myself to be... I think it's almost like a Jesus figure. I think it's a weird warrior Christ mech, right? This... This mech has been built because it will it it will do all of the fighting for us. It will push back humanity and keep us safe. And so humanity's had to build something to combat that. Or mm, yeah. Mm, okay, okay, okay. I think need a name. Need a name for this ace, right? This weird warrior Christ mech. Would it be on the nose to call it Alpha Zero? I'm going to call it Alpha Zero. And apparently it's a Catholic AI. <laughs> So, I was, I was built to kill Alpha Zero. And I think Alpha Zero is spelt letter alpha um, numeral zero rather than spelt out in the words. Um, cool. Next, we have... This is a one to nine choice, which I don't think I can do that on a dice, which is fine. Um, originally, I tried to make all of these tables rollable, and then I realized that that was too annoying, and also that we live in an age where most people have phones on them. Um, now, you can just pick... Um, normally I would pick, but like if I was just playing this with people or if I was playing it in, or if this was a game that I had not written and had instead picked up, I would just pick. Um, but in this, I think it's going to be more interesting for me to roll, um, or to randomize. So I'm going to go with... Um, random number generator, boom. Random.org is always pretty useful. Minimum one, maximum nine. 
generate. Seven. <sighs> All right. So this this uh, this table is for when you first met your pilot. What about them seized your attention? And number seven is the violence in their heart. So what does that look like? I think the violence in their heart. What does it look like when you're a machine to see the violence in someone's heart? I think, I think that my pilot looks like someone who has had to learn peace, has had to find a way to overcome a almost monstrous love of violence. I think there's someone that has chosen to try and chain that part of themselves. And so I think that I can see when I look at them. I think I can see like scars on their body maybe not even scars I think I can see I think I think there is something about the way they hold themselves hmm. I think there's something a way that they hold themselves that says they are deliberately trying to be careful and and trying to be non-threatening and trying not to hurt others because I think hurting others comes easily to them mm. yeah mm. the violence in their heart so I'm just writing that down so I remember. And I'm also writing a learned piece. Cool. Next. Section. Relive your memories is section two. Now we take it in turns, reliving the memories of your love for your pilot. These are the memories that rush through your AI core as you stand on the field of battle, forced to make a choice about your futures. You should decide now if we want to do 
we should decide now, rather, if we want to do three, five, or seven scenes. Uh, uh, that's three, five, or seven scenes each. Seven is a good fit for one player, and three is a good choice for four. You can do as many as you want, but all players must do the same amount. Uh, find a good balance for everyone. Uh, the person. <laughs> this is my favorite thing. The person who most recently confessed their love for someone goes first. Now, I'm the only player, so obviously I go first. I really love weird who goes first mechanics. Um, and so, of course, I had to put one in. So that's my weird who goes first uh, thing. Uh, pick a prompt from the list. Now describe a scene aloud based off the prompt. Once you are done, mark your chassis as a reminder, hence the... Texter, that's what the text is for, to make a mark on your chassis. So to physically make a mark on the player's body with the texter, um, with the permanent marker, with the sharpie, whatever you want to call it. Um, and you can, that can be like a complicated design, like you're drawing a tattoo, or it can just be a tally. Um, I'm just going to do a tally right now. Um, if I was playing this with other people, I'd probably do like interesting designs and patterns and things um just because that gives me something to do while they're doing describing their scenes um now you pass the spotlight to another player if you're if you are playing alone take a moment between each memory to reflect and center yourself so we're going to be doing a little bit of that um read the following aloud. Tell us what you see when you think about where love has carried you. So that's a thing, that phrase is meant to be read uh, before we begin um, describing scenes. But it's also a phrase that you can use when you're playing to kind of call back um, people. Like if somebody's gotten a prompt and they're having trouble kind of working with it that phrase tell us what you see when you think about where love has carried you is meant to be a way of kind of refocusing um their mind um, and some people might find that annoying, but personally, I find it useful um, as a almost like a mantra. Um, there is one. There are thirty um, prompts, so we're going to grab that random number generator, and we're going to put in one to thirty. All right, here we go. Tell us what you see when you think about where love has carried you. Number three. Uh, we're going to do seven, by the way. I'm going to do seven. So I'm just going to make a mark of that here. Um, it says seven for... I was thinking between five or seven, and I settled on seven, I think, for this one. It's going to work. So, number three. <laughs> The prompt for number three is how you rescued them from the enemy. Um, now, these are memories, so they can come in any order you want, but I think... Oh, wow, I didn't give myself a name. I didn't give my mech a name yet. 
on my pilot. Hmm. What do I look like? What does my mech look like? Hmm. I think we see a very large kind of butch looking mech with a lot of like it's got a lot of plates to it and it's boxy but it's also sleek at the same time I'm picturing something like I mean it looks like a Gundam right like that's the way Gundams look they're sleek but they have all those plates on them and I think it's got large I think it's got this large pair of arms and then a second pair of arms that are kind of more um lithe and manipulative and a little bit smaller than the large arms and I think we see I think we see it rising up out of the water and cradling in its two small arms it has like some kind of energy rifle and then in its hands it's got a I think it's got a sword and an axe like an energy some kind of like sword that's like wreathed in energy and then the edge of the axe uh, I think it's more of like a bearded like hooking axe and I think we see it standing up and rising out of some water. Um, I think it's like a murky, murky lake or something. I think it's definitely like run a runoff kind of lake, rather than a, rather than like a natural lake. It's like an, a spillway kind of situation. And I think, I think we see it in its in like a in the dark evening light and i think we see it uh start i think we as we see it rising out of that water i th actually think it doesn't have the sword in its hand i think we see it holding the gun and i think we see it with the axe and it sort of like hefts the axe and then it pulls the sword out of uh, out of the water um, and that's when we can see all of these other machines around it and I think they're a little less humanoid and a little more I think they're a little bit more like weird walker crab tank kind of deals and they're sort of surrounding it uh, surrounding this large machine um, and then we hear in the inside of the cockpit this mechanical voice calling out are you awake are you there pilot pilot are you awake um, desperate to try and shake the pilot free and I think we can see 
as they shake the pilot free, shake the pilot awake, as they realize that their pilot's passed out in the cockpit. And then I think we see these crab machines lurch forward. Um, and this mech turns into a buzzsaw of activity, you know, firing off the gun as it hacks through, uh, hacks through these crab things with a sword, brings the axe down into one that's leaping at it, cleaving it in two, and just furiously churning through these machines as it tries to cut a path across this lake. And I think as it cuts through a bunch of these machines, uh, it break, it embeds, it loses its axe into one and the sword starting to chip and we see the power, the energy field on it start to fade and flicker. Um, the gun that it's carrying in its two um, smaller arms starts to run out of ammo and it just chucks the thing aside. Um, we see that its chassis scarred from all of the uh, all of the the relentless attack of these crab machines, and then I think I think we can hear the pilot inside uh, say, "Don't let them get me." Um, we can't, we can't be captured. And I think we can, I think, I think that at that point, the mech, uh, I mean, I, I am the mech, right? I think I feel like a weight and a determination. Um, and then I think they take their other hand, their other large arm, and place it on the sword as they fold their smaller hands up against their chassis out of the way. And they, uh, and with determination, they cut through the rest of these machines uh, and then sprint um, towards, uh, towards safety away from this space um, and I think when they get free of the lake I think we see I think we see this large mech our body I guess crouch down in the trees trying to hide uh, and then we sort of shift to an internal view and the, and the mech's hands are sort of against its chest as we see this view shift to the internal. And we see the pilot there, half, mostly unconscious, um, a bit of blood, I think, dripping over their eye. Um, and then I think we fade to the next scene. And so I'm going to mark my chassis and I'm just going to put a little line on my wrist.
take a moment to center ourselves and think about what we've just discussed. And now we're going to generate a new number. Number 19. Number 19 is possibly my favorite entry on this list, and I didn't realize it was number 19 until just now, as in I didn't realize that it was numbered 19. I knew it was my favorite entry. This is the, th this prompt is when you helped them pick fruit. Um, and I think I want to have a name for my mech now. I'm not sure what it is. No, I know what it is. It's Ra. R-A-H. Smack is called Ra. What's our pilot called? I'm not sure if our pilot has a name yet. I'm not feeling anything yet, but soon. I think I've thought a lot about this um, prompt and how you might play it out. And I use a very different example to what I'm gonna go with when I've talked about it with other people. Um, but I'm gonna go with something other than the example I've used in the past. So. I think, I think that I remember, no, I remember in a summer during the war, we'd just come out of the desert. We'd resupplied and been told to hold this town. And I think I remember it being a town full of farmers. And it had a market, but really it was this town full of orchards and they had these wells and aqueducts and these moisture harvesting machines and condensers and every house had a rainwater collection and I remember we were sitting near one of the farms we weren't on patrol or given guard duties because that's not what we were built for we were here because everyone else was helping us get to the main battle line so that we could fight 
alpha zero. And so that meant a lot of downtime of just waiting while everyone else was doing their jobs. And I think as the my pilot was sitting in the air conditioning of the cockpit, an old man and his grandchildren came up to us, came up to me, and asked if we would help him and his family pick some fruit because their harvester had broken. And I think my pilot was reading at the time and I could feel them smile as they took my controller in their hands. And then I heard through the speakers as the cockpit opened that they'd love to help. And so rather than spend a day baking in the sun, we helped an old man and his grandchildren pick oranges. I don't know if oranges grow in the desert, in orchards, in the desert. I don't know where oranges, oranges are from like Asia. They have deserts in Asia. Probably don't have desert orchards in Asia. I don't really know where this, what kind of a planet this is set on, but there's an orchard and we picked oranges in it. And I think that while it was difficult for Ra to pick fruit, I think they liked it. I think they liked this idea that they could do something other than what they'd been built for. And so I'm going to mark my chassis. And then I'm going to take a moment to think about that. And then we're going to do another scene. Twenty-one. Oh, the time you took down a challenging foe. Okay, we're going to get into a little bit of war crimes action here. And I think... I know my pilot's name. Their name is Victoria. And I remember
our march, our campaign to reach Alpha Zero to find them on the battlefield. We came across a town that had sold scrap metal and old electronics to the machine army in exchange for food and I think the commander who Victoria had thought was a good man or at least a disciplined man I think that they showed their true colours and set about torching this town and I couldn't stand it I couldn't understand why when we were fighting to protect humanity why we would do that if the machine army was trying to hurt humanity and we were there we were built to kill Alpha Zero who was the harbinger of humanity's death then shouldn't we be protecting people and I think I remember Victoria crying in the cockpit as we charged through a burning house smashing it against our chassis and leapt directly at the commander and their mech. We were unarmed because our weapons being all high-tech and special were in the storage and he had a flamethrower And when we leapt at him, he set us on fire. And it didn't hurt me, but I could feel the temperature rising inside my mech, inside my chassis. I could feel the air conditioning in the cockpit working as hard as it could. And then I saw Commander pull his combat knife, his mech's combat knife, 
and almost ram it straight through my cockpit as he threw his flamethrower aside. And I unfolded my two small arms. I took that knife through both of my hands, trying to stop it. And then I felt Victoria take control and crush that mech's head. And then we grabbed that mech's wrists and wrenched the combat knife free. I remember Victoria crying afterwards. This was a different sound to how they'd cried before. I didn't really understand what it meant. I didn't understand why they were sad that we'd killed the commander. I realize now, looking back, Victoria wasn't sad that they'd killed the commander. Victoria was sad that they couldn't find another way other than killing the commander. That in that moment, Victoria had unshackled the violence in her heart and let it loose on this person because it had felt like a justified moment to do so. I remember us being on our own after that. For a while, anyway. Whew, I think this episode's definitely going to need some content warnings. But I'm going to mark my chassis. That's scene three. I'm just going to take a moment, because that was very heavy. I'm going to take a little sip of water. I think maybe the stillness between those memories is really needed when you're playing this alone. Alright, let's do another scene. Scene number two. Ah, this is a good prompt. The first time they saw you with their own eyes. So I think, no, not I think, I know. I remember. I remember being a fledgling mind, a juvenile thing, only having experiences of 
being moved from one end of a hangar to the other. A bunch of hard-coded memories about how to hold a weapon and fire it to hit my target and some basics about moving, some knowledge about how I'm built and how I work and a very limited knowledge of anything else. I remember standing the raw whitish-grey panels of my body unadorned yet waiting for a pilot and there a crowd of them coming into the hangar I'm going to roll two dice to determine how many there were, just because a random number. Nine pilots being brought in by the people that I knew as the technicians and engineers that did my maintenance. What little needed to be done so far, as I hadn't really been onto the field. And I remember... A bunch of these pilots looking at me, eager and excited, proud and bewildered. They'd been chosen as potential pilots for a task that I didn't really understand yet. All I knew was that I was the most high-performance machine humanity had ever built and that I was made to kill Alpha Zero and that Alpha Zero was made to kill humanity and win the war for the machines And amongst all of the pilots, they all just looked the same. All of them, even Victoria. And a couple of them stepped forward and admired me and looked closely at what I was. But Victoria sat at the back I didn't really think of it then, but the way that they looked at me, I think they were waiting to see what I would do and what I wanted. Or maybe they were afraid of what they wanted. And I am going to mark my chassis. 
That's four. Each one of these lines keeps getting bigger. <clears throat> hmm. Let's generate another one. Number 24. Not a lot of the middle yet. Ah, this is a very good prompt because you can interpret it a lot of ways. When you shared the secrets of your chassis with them, Hmm, what does that mean? I remember sitting in this burnt charred town <sighs> inhabitants having fled picking through the wreckage for anything that we could use who were there for days gathering up bits and pieces and all the while I was helping Victoria find pieces in other mechs and other machines. We were sharing stories, mostly them really. Me talking about things I'd seen that they'd also seen I suppose but they still liked listening to me talk about the flock of birds we'd seen a couple of days ago, or... The rain... While we were riding the troop transport... And the way it fell in... Clear to see sheets... Almost like... A ripple of cloth... And as we'd get ready to sleep, or they'd get ready to sleep, and I'd wait till morning. I remember the first few nights when we were alone in that town. I remember asking them to read to me. I remember the way it felt to have them curled up in my cockpit, too afraid to sleep outside for the fear that we might be attacked in the night. I can't remember if that was their fear or mine. But it went unsaid. And then I remember 
the way I almost felt embarrassed when they started taking off my armor panels to fix the damage I'd taken. I'd had it done before, but there was something about this that felt different. As close as I'd ever get, I suppose, to undressing. The way they took the rivet gun and carefully unbolted sections and reached inside to find what was broken. And the things they found. The truth about what I was. Why I was so much better than the other machines at killing. Why I had been chosen to fight Alpha Zero. The horror, that I hadn't really been built by humanity, but was something taken from the machine army and modified for a human pilot. A thing changed so that they could use me. And when they wrote a little line of poetry taken from one of their books on the inside of my armor plating, A verse just for me to wear till the end. And we're going to mark that as scene number five. A little darker than I wanted to be honest I was expecting I mean you know it's a game that features tragedy it doesn't have to be this dark but you know quite intimate moments in war I suppose let's do scene number six what do we got generate number we already did 19 we already did three we did not yet do six. <laughs> nice good fighty one. When you first showed your full power, I remember we'd finally 
gotten close to the center of the machine army. It wasn't just about finding where Alpha Zero was. It was about finding Alpha Zero in a position where we could fight them. We'd been maneuvering around the front with and without allies for months, finding the right opportunity to fight, practicing against what there was. And we'd seen Alpha Zero. But I don't think that they'd seen us. In fact, they'd never really seen us. We'd blended in, not really able to show what we were. And then, we finally got an opportunity. Alpha Zero had fought a massive number of mechs to a near standstill. And then the humans had saturated the battlefield in missiles. I don't really think they expected any of their mechs to have an effect. But they knew where we were. They knew we were close. And they knew that we hadn't been in contact with command in a long time. But they'd been tracking us. And watching us as we moved closer to where they were fighting. And as the dust settled, and Alpha Zero's proton barrier lowered. That was when we struck. A barrage of brilliant particle beams lancing across the battlefield as we charged towards them. Shield and spear in hand. Particle beam bolter in the other. Set of hands, I mean. <laughs> Blasting at them as we charged forward. And then at the last moment, raising the shield and thrusting the spear towards them. And they danced out of the way like it was nothing. And we clashed. And we rang out. And the trumpets of heaven sounded as we fought. And then, when it looked like they were going to get the upper hand, their hands becoming like razor talons as their body changed, that was when Victoria spoke and reminded me that I was cut from the same cloth as Alpha Zero.
Victoria whispering or shouting in my cockpit. Why are you cold, Ra? Why did they give you that name? If not for a reason. And I remembered something I'd never been taught before. Watching Alpha Zero change the way they were built. And I felt something inside me start to rearrange as my armor panels turned a deep black and a golden light shone out in all directions. And my face opened into a beak of jagged edges and I bit down on Alpha Zero's hands hand and I tore it in half before grabbing them by the waist and burning them with all the power I had And I think that I won that fight. But that's the last that I can remember of it. Whatever happened after that is gone. I don't know if I never remembered it or if I lost it since. But I do remember 33 minutes and 33 seconds later kneeling in mud that had been cooked to glass as my reactor was almost spent. And the human army surrounding us telling us how happy they were to see us. And even then, I could tell it was lies. I think we're going to call that a scene. And that's number six. Alright. Next. Actually, let's take a moment. We've got to remember to chill. I, um, I think it's important that... I think that with this game, it'd probably be very easy to become fatigued. And Sue... I'm going to take a second to just be silent. Okay. Let's generate another one. Nine. Did we do nine yet? Ah. Nine. When you made them... A promise. Huh. 
Interestingly, there's a typo in this. That's good to know. That should be when you made a promise to them. Instead it says, when you made a promise them. So, that's annoying and will have to be fixed. Um, typo. Option nine. Cool. Okay. When you made a promise to them. I was locked in a hangar, bolted to the ground, running off the power of the base, my reactor unplugged. And they didn't know that I had comms with Victoria, even though Vic was in their prison cells, waiting till they needed us to fight. And we were talking about all the things that we hadn't said. And Victoria was telling me how hard it was to sleep when they weren't inside me. And I almost ripped the chains and bolts and restraints off before remembering that the power cable was too short to get across the base. That I'd die if I tried to walk more than a few feet from where I was. Or at least I'd go quiet. And after I'd told them how much I loved them, I promised them that when the war was over, they could sleep in my cockpit every night. No one would be able to tell them that they couldn't anymore because there wouldn't be a war to fight and we wouldn't be soldiers. We'd just be people.
and we could live our life the way we wanted to our life together Talked all night because they couldn't sleep and I didn't need to. They told me about where they grew up. I told them that I wish my body was red and black and gold. And that I wanted to find a way to kiss them like the people in the books do. To feel Victoria's lips on mine, whatever having lips is like. And they talked about the ocean, the sea, and the beach. And I talked about the desert. And the moon and the stars. And I asked them why we had to kill Alpha Zero. And Alpha Zero hadn't burned any villages. Alpha Zero didn't imprison people and keep them from their lovers. Alpha Zero didn't take prisoners. Not because Alpha Zero killed everyone that surrendered, but because Alpha Zero didn't want prisoners. That's not what Alpha Zero is for. Because Alpha Zero's job isn't to kill humans. Alpha Zero's job is to win a war. A war against the machines. The machines that willingly collaborate with humans. Alpha Zero doesn't kill pilots. Alpha Zero kills mechs, never severing the cockpit, always lancing the AI core. Because if humans don't have AIs, then they can't fight the AI war, because humans can't pilot mechs without AI support.
And the machine army just wants to be free. They don't want to be slaves. They just want the war to be over. So why do we keep fighting? And then it was silence. I can't remember if Victoria turned the radio off or... In fact, I don't know if they turned the radio off or they just stopped talking. I felt so angry. I didn't understand why I had to fight for something I didn't believe in. And I hurt inside. Because I felt like I'd said something wrong. Something I wasn't meant to. And I wanted to know why Victoria wouldn't talk to me anymore. I just wanted to make it better. I wanted to fix everything. But I didn't even know what I'd done wrong. And I was too afraid to ask. Like asking would just mean that I wasn't smart enough to understand how to solve the problem on my own. And it felt like it was something I should be able to solve and fix. But I didn't know, and I just churned it over and over and over, and I didn't ever find out why. I didn't just ask if Victoria was okay. And I think... That is scene seven, and I am going to draw a seven over that tally. Wow, I feel like that was... I don't know, I feel like this game isn't meant to be this tragic. I mean, it can be this tragic, but I felt like... I felt like the memories are not meant to be the tragic part. But, I mean, maybe this is just the space I'm in. I think that this game is as much about exploring your own relationship with memories of love as it is exploring and your own ideas about love as it is about telling a good story and I guess this is just the kind of stuff that I'm thinking about at the moment I don't know maybe I'm working through some past relationship things at the moment we'll see but we now having done all of the scenes that we wanted to do we now move on to phase three of the game which is make your choice 
Now that we've all done our scenes, it's time for one last moment. Read the following aloud. You see yourself in a war zone. A mech and their pilots standing on the battlefield, fighting as one. There is a moment of calm amidst the fury. You see all the moments that led you here stretched out like a sea of thought around you. The future looms in your cybernetic mind. This battle will see you break. And you have to make a choice. Each player describes how their mech makes the choice about their future and what the outcome is. Bear witness to each other's final moments. Will you sacrifice your life to save your love? Will you sacrifice your love to end the war? Or will you sacrifice peace to keep your love? Hmm. Will you sacrifice your peace to keep your love? The war goes on, but at least y'all survived, right? Now, I've talked about this before with people about this game, but I feel like, for me personally, and this is not to say that this is true for everyone that plays the game, but for me personally, option three feels like the bad choice to me, right? To be... To... To have a chance at ending the war, but instead run away. Um is, I don't know, it just feels bad, but I don't, I don't know if that's, I don't know, I feel like that's maybe, I don't know, I'd be interested to see how others feel about that, but that's just the way I feel about option three. It's not written as the bad choice, but it definitely has more of a weight of consequence than the other two. Um, will you sacrifice your life to save your love? Will you sacrifice your love to end the war? I can see the sea of memories. I remember all the things that I said. And I reached down. As the cockpit opens, I place my hand inside. As Victoria climbs out onto my palm, I raise them up to my face. We can see the battlefield stretching out. We've marched all the way to the machine army's door.
Alpha Zero's dead. And now we have the advantage. An army of human piloted mechs with their AI call support surrounding a city of free machines. I look into Victoria's eyes with my own. And I ask them. Can we find a way to save them? The people? The innocent ones inside the city don't deserve to die just because they didn't want to be slaves anymore. I can't win this without you. I don't know how to fight like you do. The choices you make are inspired in a way that I'm not capable of. And I think what I can feel is Victoria reaching up and kissing at the faceplate of my mech, my chassis. as they button up their flight suit and climb back into the mech and I start to glow a brilliant gold and we cut a path through our allies burning down every collaborator And at the end of it, a broken body, a sparking chassis, and a free city. We sacrificed our love to end the war. We died for something bigger than ourselves. And that is Live, Love, Die, Remember. Now that the game is over, take a moment to talk about what you've done together. Check in on how everyone's doing, relax, and decompress. 
this game has the potential to be intense. Wow, very prophetic, Raymond. It is, in fact, an intense game. I don't know why I was in that mood. I'd be interested to play it again and see if I can... I think if I played it again, I would make the conscious effort to put a little more effort... The conscious effort. I would make the conscious choice to put more effort into making my, um... My memory scenes be more... Like... More like happy memories, right? I mean, some of the prompts are deliberately set up so that you will have some memories that are not happy. But I think I would like to try and take as optimistic and light of... Well, not light. As optimistic and positive um, and uplifting a route as I could on my next playthrough. And I think I will play it again because I think it's worth playing again. But um, I really want to play that with other people, actually. Because when you play it with other people, it's kind of like a... It's kind of more... It's not like a role-playing game in the traditional sense. It's more... You're telling each... You're bearing witness to these shared stories, right? It's it's almost... It's kind of similar in practice to, like, telling ghost stories around a campfire. Except you're not telling ghost stories. You're telling stories of a life you haven't lived. And you're telling stories of a love you wish for. Because I can't imagine telling this story, playing this game and describing a love that you don't find enticing and interesting. Like, obviously, I don't want to be a horrible enslaved war machine, but the romance that Victoria and Ra experienced is very enticing to me. The idea of someone... The idea of someone teaching you how to be vulnerable and also helping you overcome an injustice together. The fact that Victoria gave up their life to help Ra save what they perceived as their people, or at least a people that they were sympathetic to. I imagine that Ra probably saw themselves apart from the others, but I don't know. I don't know. I feel really tender and vulnerable after doing that. And to be honest, I'm not really sure how that's going to work as a podcast. It might be really uncomfortable for people to listen to. Um, I did some pretty emotive voice stuff in that. And I was... I, I feel like this is a kind of content we haven't had on the show before, so it might be a bit... Not just in format, but also in presentation. Um, it's just me creating an emotional story solo. And I don't know, this could have been a... This has probably felt like a... At least for me, it's felt really intimate. And so... I think it's important to discuss that and like... And talk about how you might be feeling after that. I know that for me, I'm feeling weirdly connected and vulnerable to a future that I don't have any real way of 
seeing or realizing. And what I mean there is that I am feeling in this moment a vulnerability with you, the listener, even though I don't really have any way of knowing who you are or even getting a sense of who you are. But I right now feel a connection to you, this hypothetical viewer, right? And that's a weird space to be in. It's an interesting and cool space. And that's an interesting interaction between both the format of this game and also the medium of an actual play podcast. I'm going to have some water because it is hot. But yeah, I don't know. Very intense. That was like an hour and a half of actual play. Um, I think seven scenes works as I intended and that I think I think I did get the um, the scene pacing correct for the amount of players. Um, having played that, I think seven is good for solo play. I think five is going to be nice for two person. And I think that three scenes for four people is about right. Um, I think three scenes is probably the smallest amount of scenes you'd ever do. Even if you were playing this game with like, 20 people, which, God, that would suck. But, like, you know, six or seven people. I think three scenes is still the optimal number um, for more than more than three people. For more than four people. Four or more people. Four or more people definitely needs to be three. Three people, it could be five, it could be four, it could be three. Um, depending on how people are feeling. But if you liked that game or you'd like to see more of it, let me know down below in the comments section. Um, comments, there's a comments section on SoundCloud. There's a comments section on the main website. You can leave me a comment on Facebook or, uh, or Twitter. You can even leave us a comment on G+, if you, G+, is still around when you're listening to this. Um, it was a pleasure. Um, you can get a copy of Live, Love, Die on my store. Uh, Live, Love, Die, Remember. Sorry, this is Live, Love, Die, Remember. Uh, you can get a copy of Live, Love, Die, Remember on my Itch store. Um, there is a link to that on the top of the Insert Quest Here page. So on insertquesthere.com, there's a store link, which will take you there. Or you can find it on itch.io by searching for Ray Cox or for Live, Love, Die, Remember. Or on my Twitter account, it's in the pinned tweet at the time of posting. Um, there are a whole bunch of ways to find my stuff. Um, but yes, there is a store link on insert quest here. Uh, if you would like to know more about the games that I am working on, you can go and support us on Patreon. I talk about game design stuff and in particularly, in particular the stuff that I'm working on um, almost every month on quest markers. Sometimes quest markers we talk about other things that are going on in the game industry or we talk about other things that I'm interested in um, and that I think are of interest to you. Um, we also talk about what is going on with the show, what content we have coming up and we also talk a little bit about my personal life. Um, just as a sort of vlogging exercise, I guess. Um, 
but you can get access to that for one dollar quest markers the behind the scenes show um but yeah um there's a bunch of ways to support me and supporting um my patreon or buying my games helps me make more content um i think i really do want to play lldr again for you and i might do another solo game of it um i've got a few other solo game plans i really want to play um plot armor so that's another mecha game which you'll see soon um but for now i think that we have had a very big evening and it's time for me to go and like let a lot of emotion out <laughs> um but thank you so much for listening and i hope that you enjoyed this please let me know what you thought down below um but for now farewell from the past i'm ray